The Way Out Podcast, Episode 8. The longer I was around, the more I realized uh, my problem wasn't alcohol. Uh, alcohol was just a symptom. I had to get down to those uh, causes and conditions, as we're told. And uh, if I had not, when that pink cloud ran out, uh, you know, I would have been like uh, uh, like Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner, you know. Uh, I would have, like the Roadrunner and uh, the Coyote, I would have went off the cliff and just dropped, you know. It's what I would have done because uh, that uh, pink cloud was there to get me to the point where I'd work the steps. Because the steps are what brought me um, uh, real relief. And if you read, and when you start reading about the steps and working them, you find out that the promises are halfway through the ninth step. They're not from just coming to meetings. You know, people think just coming to meetings is all there is, but that's just the beginning. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's installment of The Way Out. Sharing stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. The Way Out does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. Our purpose is to share with you, one episode at a time, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. The Way Out is sponsored by Transitions Daily. Would you like to receive the most popular AA daily devotions free in one distribution? Transitions Daily delivers daily devotions from 24 hours a day, AA thought for the day, daily reflections, big book quote, just for today, as Bill sees it, plus more. You can get our distribution daily via email, private Facebook group, or Twitter. Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check out the new official blog of The Way Outcast at www.wayoutcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Way Out Podcast. Help us get the message out that lifelong recovery from alcoholism and addiction is possible by giving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and iTunes and following us on Twitter. And don't forget to tell your friends about The Way Out Podcast. The Way Out Podcast is on now. I'm your host, Charlie L. This week, we'll hear the experience strength and hope of buddy i was looking for my my notes from my story i haven't told my story in a while uh i was going to look over that real quick before we uh before we started so i could make sure i hit the high points but uh, uh that's okay i'll just wing it i like it this is discovery radio anyway and so yeah. from my perspective uh, the conversation really just takes a life of its own so i really wanted to talk about you know what it was like for you buddy uh, what happened and what it's like now. But tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, do you have a home group? Do you have a sponsor? And uh, 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 tell me a little bit about yourself, and then uh, we can talk about uh, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Sure. Um, well, uh, I do have a home group. It's the uh, uh, it's the uh, uh, Sunday morning sharing and caring in Cartersville, Georgia. Uh, it's a it's a nine thirty uh, closed meeting uh, here local. Uh, then I have, um, I'm involved in that group. I've been sober since, uh, November 10th of 2008, as far as, uh, consistent sobriety, I actually started, uh, uh, seeking sobriety back in, uh, August of Oh two. So I came for six years in and out, uh, before I actually was able to put any real time together more than a, a few months at a stint. Sometimes it'd be a week or two and, uh, sometimes it'd be a little longer. So, 
uh, that was a that was a real struggle for me. So when people come in, they say, you know, I've, you know, I, I can't stay sober. I know I I know what they're talking about. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so um, so that's been um, uh, that was that was tough for me. But uh, uh, but no, I'm 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 here local. Uh, I'm very involved. I'm involved in AA. I don't go to as many meetings as I used to. I used to go, you know, every day when I started. And it was funny, my first sponsor, he told me, he said, listen, he said, when you go to meetings, he said, you keep your mouth shut. He said, there's nothing, you don't have anything they need. He was from the old blood. school, brother. He was from the old school. The old school. He was just plain and blunt and said, listen, you know, you don't have anything they need. If you have a problem... He said, you come talk to me about that. He says, you don't talk about your problems in the in the meeting. He said, you come talk to me about your problems. And then when you start getting some experience, strength, and hope, you can start sharing that. Until then, you just need to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic advice. In fact, I wish uh, I would have heard that uh, a lot earlier in my recovery because I think I, it would have helped me a lot. Yeah, he uh, he was real good with that, and uh, I, I'm not opposed. I mean, I hear people come into meetings and they they'll use a meeting for their sponsor, you know, right. which is great if that's all they have. Right. I mean, I'm 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 not opposed to that, but uh, for me, the meetings to share experience, strength, and hope, and to uh, encourage the newcomer because the the longer I was around, the more I realized uh, my problem wasn't alcohol. Uh, alcohol was just a symptom. I had to get down to those uh, causes and conditions, as we're told. And uh, if I had not, when that pink cloud ran out, uh, you know, I would have been like uh, 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 like Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner, you know. Uh, I would have, like the Roadrunner and uh, the Coyote, I would have went off the cliff and just dropped, you know. It's what I would have done because uh, that uh, pink cloud was there to get me to the point to where I'd work the steps. Right. Because the steps are what brought me um, uh, real relief. And if you read, and when you start reading about the steps and working them, you find out that the promises are halfway through the ninth step. They're not from just coming to meetings. You know, people think just coming to meetings is all there is, but that's just the beginning, you know. Uh, it's about getting the steps worked and, and getting down to those reasons why you're drinking. And, and that's what helped for me. And uh, quitting fighting alcohol actually is in the 11th, uh, is, uh, actually it's in the 10th step. You know, when you're working the 10th step, it talks about quit fighting any anyone and anything. Right. So uh, it's after you've done those things. So uh, uh, sometimes we come in thinking all there is are meetings, but meetings are a small part of, of what I got uh, out of recovery. So, and I can relate to that, buddy. You know, I went in when I was, uh, I had my first treatment when I was 15 and waxed poetically about steps at uh, 15 years old and, uh, uh, and felt like uh, I was on top of the world and had everybody fooled. Hadn't, hadn't worked a step, uh, hadn't uh, had a sponsor, uh, hadn't done any real work, but boy, could I wax poetically about steps, and they were passing around that little treatment medallion, and they, uh, everybody in the group, uh, Charlie, you're going to stay sober forever. If I just had a shred of your um, uh, your program, I'd be sober forever too, and uh, uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm full with pride and ego, and the head treatment counselor, I didn't think she was listening, by the way, but the head treatment counselor usurps the circle, buddy, grabs the medallion, looks at me, and says, you're lying to yourself, you're lying to this group, and you're going to use again, and if you do, it's going to kill you. 
and she like dropped the rock, you know, dropped the, mm-hmm. dropped the, dropped the mic, and uh, everybody was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe she said that to you." And I'm like, "I know, right?" You know, and uh, she was right, um, and I'll never forget her for that because she had the cojones to be honest uh, about it, about it, and she saw right through it. And uh, I had another attempt when I was in my 20s and it was the same thing it was all about going to meetings and uh, trying to be uh, the recovery ninja never worked a step never uh, never did any real work and it kept me sick you know what i learned too charlie was th- this program's a gift everything i have is a gift how can i take credit for a gift i can't because i i haven't done any of this uh you know the first thing we learn is that we're powerless. And once I submitted and um, acknowledged my powerlessness, I think that started opening the door for my higher power to start working. And, and anytime anything happens, I'm, I'm always reminded it's a gift, so I can't take credit for, for any of those things that happen in my life. Uh, and our job and what the steps do for me are get me able to receive the gift. You know, they get the ground ready. One of the devotions recently was was that our job is to get the ground ready and, and God plants the seed. You know, and, and that's a good analogy for me. I don't have the seed. I don't, I don't have the ability. Uh, my job is to get the ground ready. And, and for me, that's what uh, getting rid of my resentments and my anger. First, my anger toward me and my anger toward God. And then, you know, then once I got that, out of the way I was able to become more willing and uh, uh, more humble and then able to start correcting my relationships with other people, you know, and that's getting the ground ready. Right. Tell me a little bit, buddy, about uh, uh, what it uh, was like for you before you started uh, seeking recovery. Uh, What was life like for you? Sure. Um, I was a businessman. I, I did not drink much as a teenager. Actually, I was involved in church as a teenager uh it it delayed my alcoholism really um and then um i started feeling stresses and pressures uh from business in my late 20s and started drinking more regularly to help deal with those things had a had a business fail uh when i was um 33 34 uh and i'm 50 now and uh when when the business failed uh i started drinking really really heavy because I had so much of my self-worth tied to uh, my business success. <clears throat> so when I had, uh, when I had a failure, uh, that was me failing. So um, alcohol actually saved my life at that time uh, because it kept me from blowing my brains out because if I would not have had some kind of relief, um, I, I probably would have done that or gone crazy one because I could not handle it. I just was not capable. That's a beautiful thing you just said there, buddy, because I think many, many of us in recovery maybe are afraid to admit or accept that alcohol did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, and that certainly was the case for me. Exactly. You know, those nine-step promises that we read, uh, alcohol did those things for me for a while, and then, of course, alcohol turns, and uh, what's the, the Japanese saying that... Uh, you have a drink, the drink has a drink, and the drink has you. You know, it was uh, that same thing for me. You know, I uh, the drink had me. And once it had me, you know, 
it had me. There was nothing I could do, you know. And so, uh, um, so then I started fighting alcohol after that, and uh, uh, and I started having health problems. I um, had pancreatitis. Well, I decided I wanted to lose some weight. I'd put on some weight from all the drinking, and uh, I said, well, I want to lose some weight. So I went online and Googled what diets I could do but still drink alcohol. That was my, my <laughs> that was the one thing that, that I had to have. So, right. uh, we got to get our priorities in line. That's right, yeah. exactly. So where, what, what diet can I do and still drink my 90-proof Smirnoff? You know, which one is it? You know? So uh, I found the Atkins diet and started that. And uh, I changed my mixer from, uh, uh, from orange juice uh, and grapefruit juice to crystal light lemonade. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, <laughs> so, so I did that for about nine months and lot started losing some weight actually. And, uh, but I started having some extreme pain in my stomach and went to the hospital and I had a, about a pancreatitis and uh, almost killed me. I uh, lost uh, 90% of my pancreas, had two surgeries, um, told my wife to pick out my pallbearers, had a 50, 50 chance of living. I was 36 at the time. Wow. So I hadn't drank but a few years alcoholically. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was bad. I finally got out of the hospital. I lost 60 pounds during that bout. So uh, that started in October, and it was over in March. I was in and out, in and out of the hospital. And uh, uh, within a few months, I was drinking again. And the doctor told me, he said, if you drink anymore, you, you'll probably die. He said, you've had... You know, this is directly as a result of, they told me my alcohol, uh, my, my drinking, because uh, 40% of the time it's uh, pancreatitis is alcohol, uh, 40% is gallbladder, and 20% they don't know. Being I drank a gallon of vodka a week, you know, chances are. <laughs> you, had a, you had a clue. Yeah, you know. To what maybe, it might be. Yeah. Just maybe. It's mean, possible. <laughs> it could be. So, uh, yeah. um, but, but I was back drinking in no time. Now, were you and, uh, making attempts at this point, buddy, to, to, to stop or to moderate? Yeah, and, and I knew nothing about any recovery at all. Uh, I was a home drinker. I didn't drink out in bars. I drank at home. I drank. I'd gotten at that point where I was drinking 24 hours a day. I was just finishing the next day the drink. I didn't finish the night before. So, um, so uh, and I tried to keep an even keel. I, I didn't really try to get you know, out of bounds. I just tried to keep, you know, an even buzz all the time. Right. So that was my goal. Right. Uh, sometimes successful, sometimes not, you know, but you go. that was the goal. So, uh, any appointments I had, um, I was in the real estate business, any appointments I had, uh, I would, I would not drink in the morning and, and go do my appointment, do my best not to. And especially if I was, you know, meeting with someone or, uh, I didn't take people places much, but if I did, I, you know, I tried to, not not be drinking during that time of course and uh and then after lunch i would you know i'd be home back home and and work from home the rest of the day but i worked all the time and i worked a lot and uh, during that time i would i would drink so uh, but um then i started having other consequences um i got a dui and then after that i said you know i said i have got to do something about this it, it's controlling me again and um uh, that's when I, and this was after the pancreatitis, uh, and after all the bouts in the hospital. So, um, I, that's, uh, I went to a treatment center just to, to detox. I went to detox, Yeah. came out and started, uh, started into AA at that time. 
And the first meeting I went to, I really, um, that's the first time that I saw anyone that I thought drank like I drank, that, uh, that gave me hope that I could, uh, uh, that it could work for me. And it's funny. It was out of pride and ego that I thought that because this guy that was talking, I said, you know, I said, I'm a lot smarter than this guy. If he can figure it out, I know I can. (laughs) (laughs) So my hope was even out of pride and ego. Of course, of course, of course. (laughs) It's funny how we come in and we're, our thinking is so twisted about, you know, and it's not about us figuring this thing out. It's about us learning to be powerless. Isn't that amazing that it isn't about, and I, so I can relate to that uh, to a very large extent because I always tried to figure things out and I always tried to, you know, use my power of intellect or my power of reason to try to master this, this, this thing that I, that I was struggling with, that I was fighting with. And in the end, I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I people, I, I tell my friends, if I ever were ever to write a book, the title would be, I wish I were dumber <laughs> because I have to figure everything out. I, I want to know why it's not good enough for it to happen. I want to know why it's happening. You exactly. Know? And, uh, I, I don't, I've watched the people shuffling in and out of Walmart and I'm like, why can't I be like them and just not care and just shuffle in, shuffle out and it not be a concern and right. expect it to just happen for me, you know? And, uh, that's, uh, that's that's part of what God's working out, you know, in all this. And me too is, is that uh, you know I don't need a co-pilot. You ever see those bumper stickers that say God is my co-pilot? Yeah. I don't need a co-pilot. What I need is a pilot, and I don't need to be anywhere even near the cockpit. Right. You know. Right. And that's what's changed for me. Um, when I was raised in a in, in church in a Christian environment, and whether it was correct or not, what I always heard was. Okay, you do your best, and what you can't do, God will help you with. You know, that little bit you can't do, God will come in and, you know, like push you over the line. Uh You know, he'll help you with that little part you can't do. Well, what I've learned in in recovery is that for me, it's not like that at all. For me, it's not about me doing everything in the situation I can and then God doing the little bit that I can't. It's about me submitting the situation to God in the beginning and look and and get his help from the onset, not me white-knuckle it all the way through and hustle, 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 and stress, stress, stress. Uh, It's about getting his help from the beginning. And and when I do that, it seems my job changes. You know, my part in it changes. You know, my part is not to make it happen. Uh, My part really now in anything, including business, is more of okay. I submit this to you. Who who are you going to put in my life that I can help in this thing? Who who am I going to serve in this? And that's for business too. It's really incredible how my attitude toward all these things have changed. And in my attitude changing, that stress I used to carry with all this, I don't have to carry no more if I'm if I'm right sized about it. You know, and that's practicing the principles in all my affairs. And I'm not all my affairs yet. Don't get me wrong. I do this thing perfect, you know. But I'm a lot closer than I was, and I have a lot more peace and joy in my life than I ever had before. The idea uh, in, that I and in, in what I see from you, and what I hear from you, and uh, 
Uh, it's so great to catch up with you. Uh, something that I grabbed onto really early in my recovery uh, that is uh, that is took hold. That it was it was great for me because uh, I started just feeling and knowing that God's will for me was to be of maximum service to Him and my fellows, and. And what that meant for me was I got to do something tangible to uh, uh, to further my recovery every day. And that was an amazing moment of clarity that I've really held on to still to this day. And it's uh, it's changed everything for me. You know, you know and that, that's the gift, Charlie, that we get from this thing is that we don't have to run the show anymore. And uh, there was a lady that I used to hear in meetings a lot that would say, you know, our job is to do the next right, be where our feet are. Our job, that means for me, I didn't know what that meant for the longest, but I've learned that that means don't be in the past and don't be in what, where you're going after you get here, but be right where you are right now in the moment, the present moment and uh, do the next right thing and leave the results of that next right thing up to God. That that I'm not in the results business anymore. I don't have to take the responsibility for that. I don't have to carry the results. And that's huge for me because I used to think I was responsible for the world. Uh-huh. I would have to carry everything. And it was my responsibility to make a living it was my responsibility for my retirement. It was my responsibility for my kids' happiness. It was my responsibility uh, to make everyone around me happy and full of life. And that's not my job. I've got to turn all those things over if I want the same results in, in all of that that I got from turning over my alcohol up to me if i if i want the same results and all these other things all i've got to do is turn them over and more or less work the steps on them so to speak you know uh clean house make sure i don't have any bad you know any any issues in those things and for me it it always ends up being me serving in some way uh every relationship i have if i take that relationship i work the steps and then my attitude is what can i do for you not what you can do for me I always get what I need. And we've heard that over and over again in business, uh, in all kinds of philosophy and thought, not just in Christianity or AA for that matter. I mean, AA just uses principles that are that have been out there forever and that, that can apply whether you ever step foot in a meeting or not, you know. Uh, so that's um, that that's how it works for me, and it, and it, and it quite honestly works very well. So let's I talk about that point where you, I, t- I call it the miracle, you know, that point where, uh, for me, God did for me what I couldn't do for myself, but really the first recognizable time in my life when I got that and I received that gift of desperation. Uh, th- did that happen to you too? Uh, yeah, it started really with that first meeting that I mentioned. Um when, when I saw that hope that it would work, I knew from my um, my belief I had in God that I did not think God was a respecter of persons. So I didn't. I don't believe that God would do something for one person and not do it for someone else. So 
when I saw it working for this guy, even though my thought process was all flawed with it, I still knew that if it worked for him, it would work for me. And that's when I, that's when the change for me happened. Now, from that point on, I knew that whether I was getting it or not didn't matter. I knew that it would work if I kept at it. So I kept coming back. Uh, I would come to, I wouldn't advise this. I get, but it's just how it happened for me. Uh, I would come to meetings drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I would, I had a guy ask me to, to give him his chip one time. He didn't know I was drinking. I gave him his chip uh-huh. while, while I was drinking, you know, and, uh, I didn't say anything about it. I just did it because I was asked, um, not to say I would advocate that by any means, but that's just how it happened for me. I knew the answer was in AA because that's where I'd seen hope in someone else. So that's the answer I knew. So I kept coming back, whether I was getting it or not, or whether I seemed to be getting it or not. I knew that was the answer for me. So for six years, whether I was, you know, whether I was getting it or not, I kept coming back. I don't know how many meetings I went to when I was drinking. I would come to meetings anyway, and because I knew that was the answer. And finally, one day, uh, when I had to make that decision, I'd been sober probably three months this time. When you have that deciding point where you say, you know, am I going to drink this time or not? And I had all this resentment and things I was carrying mm-hmm. that would, would build up, build up, then I would drink. Then they would build up, build up, and I would drink. And finally, one day, I said, you know, God, I'm finished with my ideas. My drinking is not enough to relieve this. Either you do it or it's not going to happen. And I think I was at that point of desperation that either either God was going to do something with this or I think I probably would have ended it. And that's the miracle. And that's the miracle for me. You know, and and I, and that was when I became that I admitted my powerlessness. Really, it took six years for me to start doing step one to the point that now I'd been through the steps, and you know, um, with a sponsor already. Oh, when I first came in, I went through the steps, and this was six years later that I was really starting to uh, the steps were really starting to work in my life, and uh, and I really think those uh, four through nine where we start cleaning up our relationships uh that all those steps help me to be more powerless help me to believe help me to turn my will and my life over because those first three steps for me were affirmations you know i'm admitting mm-hmm. i come to believe uh you know uh, i turn my will and my life over uh but those other steps help me to really do that so when I started, when I, when I chose, I said, okay, I am no, I'm, my answers are not going to work with this. Either you do it or it's not going to happen. That's when I started seeing relief. In the, the first three steps, the, the powerlessness and then engaging that higher power are so important in terms of being able to, for me, complete the change steps that four through nine that, that's where the change happens and that's what I've been told and that's what I've now experienced is that's where the the the, the change in me happens you talk about you know uh, the problem is me 
Now, alcohol is only mentioned in the first step. The rest of it, uh, as I've uh, heard uh, by uh, people much m more eloquent than me, is uh, just good mental health. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the amazing piece. For you, it sounds like you had a component of faith uh, already, or at least a concept of God. Was the, was the spiritual piece hard for you, or did that come pretty easy? Uh, that was, the, the God belief came easy. I was not really angry at God about this. I just did not know how to connect. There was a missing piece, you know. <clears throat> I knew God would do it for me. I knew there was an answer, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to get from, you know, from A to C. I didn't know what B was. There was a block there. I, I, I couldn't get it. And, and that's what uh, the steps did for me in the powerlessness of, and, and what I learned was for me, I did not have the answers and I had to learn to submit. For me, the key for this whole deal was learning to lay my life down. And then I started reading different uh, uh, philosophies of, of thought on all this from Buddhism, you know, and a lot more about Christianity. And the thought is, you the paradoxes you know where you know we receive life when we lay down our life you know if you want to be the greatest you've got to be the least you know the the weaker we get the stronger we become you know that's just more ways of saying step one you know is that we're powerless you know uh when, when i saw that i thought it first said that uh i'm powerless over alcohol that my drinking uh was unmanageable <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's what I thought it said. I thought it said uh -huh. I was powerless, and it says we are powerless. Right. So right. I was there years before I said, wait, that says we, oh. not I. <laughs> and it says life, not alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, so I'm barking up the wrong tree here. You know, this is not, uh, I'm trying to fix me. Right. And I can't fix me. <laughs> It's not possible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny and very interesting because for me, I I had to just run an experiment. You know, I had a resentment against God because uh, uh, my mom died when I was eleven, and I made an active decision that I w wanted no part of a God that would allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. So I right. had I carried a big old resentment against God for a long, long time. And uh, it it, uh, it it served me very poorly and really set me up. And it really, you talk about laying the groundwork. It really laid the fertile ground for my alcoholism and my addiction to really grow and flourish in my life. And I had to get to a point where nothing else. I had tried everything else, and nothing worked. It just was miserable. I was ruining relationships. I was ruining careers. I was ruining family, my families. And so I ran an experiment. And I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to try this. I can always go back to drinking. I know what that's like. I know what that offers me. I know what that life consists of. So if this doesn't work, I can always go back. And so when people say, I can't drink, I can't drink, I can't drink, I disagree for me personally. I sure can. Mm -hmm. I sure right. can drink. I know what it's like. 
and it's hell on earth. And so I put everything I could into trying to develop, uh, uh, and I didn't, and the other mistake I think I made for me about God was trying to create, you know, as the steps say, God, as we understand him, I took that as Charlie has to create his own concept of God and it has to be a very defined concept of God. And until I figure out this very defined concept of God, I'm out of luck. And that's not that for me, that ended up not being the case at all. It ended up being more of a case of I'm willing to accept and believe that there's a power greater than myself that can help me. And I am going to try to engage that power, whatever that looks like. And what that looked like was taking uh, taking advice and following and uh, following in the steps of people that that uh, had gone before me and their life was getting better. What did they right. do? And I just started doing that stuff. And uh, lo and behold, buddy, lo and behold, life started getting a little better. Yeah, you know, and without getting much into philosophy and Christian thought and all of that, one one example that was given me, uh, if you're dealing with with uh, with someone who's having a difficult time, uh, and, and they come from a Christian background, uh, what was told me once, uh, uh, a guy's son died, and they said, uh, "Where was God when my son died?" And uh, the guy replied, "Says, well, probably where he was when his died." You know. <laughs> You know, right. we, we've all experienced right. harm. We've all experienced grief. And, you know, if we take that thought process, God himself. So, so you know, that's uh, that's neither here nor there, but a way that we sometimes can accept if we come from a Christian background, uh, a, a way that I can accept uh, things not being perfect for me. You know, the life's not always going to be perfect, you know. And, and uh, uh, I, when I gave up that control, though, was really where I saw that difference. Uh, and in other things, too. You know, and other things too. So, um, and and one thing for me that really changed a few years ago, I felt like I needed to start doing more service. I saw, I felt like I needed to uh, uh, start giving back more. And uh, so I prayed, and I said, "Okay, um, what, uh, Father, what what would you have for me to do?" So, I, I first thing I did was I started going to a, a different added a meeting that had a lot of newcomers. And the first time I went, um, I had someone ask me to be their sponsor. So that's when I started sponsoring regularly. And that was a few years ago. Um, and then God put some guys in my life, some were in AA and some weren't, to serve. Uh, had a guy that was in AA that had been put in a nursing home. And I ended up going over every week taking him out of the nursing home, taking him to a meeting, buying it, going, taking him to lunch, and buying his groceries for the week. And then we'd go back to the nursing home. He had a few little groceries he liked. So we would do that every week. And it ended up that every week, instead of working for that afternoon, I was going and taking this guy out to the nursing home, you know, yeah. driving 30 miles and going and doing all this. And I said, Father, I said, I'm supposed to be working. This is during the week. I, I've got to, you know, I've got all this, you know, you know, it's up to me, you know. And I found that in doing my service, which I firmly believe God put there for me to do, I kept making money and things kept working. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to wait for the other shoe to drop and I'm just going to continue. So, uh, and God put a couple more people in my life to do the same kind of thing with. So I found 
you know, that a lot of my time was taken doing service and added some sponsees and I was meeting with them and doing things. And when I looked at the whole scope of my time, a lot more time was taken doing service than actually working, but I kept making money anyway. And, uh, so I just continued with it. So today I try to, um, I try to do what's in front of me to do. I, I do what business is there to do. Don't get me wrong. I don't sit around and expect God to just, you know, just bring it to me on a, you know, on a silver platter, but, but I do what's there to do. And if it's service, I do it. If it's work, I do it. And I try to leave the results up to God and try to stay out of that, the results out of that. And it, and it seems to work for me. I, one real interesting thing with that, had a guy in my home group that's been uh, a few years ago. Uh, actually, I'd left that home group because of a change in schedule, but uh, but he was still a member, and I, I was in that group at one time. He, he had heart surgery, and he was in the hospital. So I said, I'll go visit him. I didn't really like the guy. Uh, didn't know him that well, but, uh, but I felt like I needed, you know, one of those things I felt like I needed to do and I was wanting mm-hmm. to do more service. Mm-hmm. So I drove, you know, to the neighboring town about 30 miles away and, and just, uh, to go visit him. What I didn't know was this guy had been, he started a service at that time, 12, 13, 12 years or 11, 12 years prior, uh, which was called transitions daily where, uh, he sent out every day through a couple of, of uh, private groups. Uh, all of the daily AA emails, uh, all the daily AA devotions, all of them. I mean, you had, as Bill sees it, and transition, I mean, and uh, daily reflections, 24 hours, all those things. And he sent this out to a, to a Yahoo group and a Google group that were closed um, every day. And he'd been doing this for 12 years. And uh, well, I got to know him a little bit. I even got it in my email, and I didn't even know he did this. Because he didn't talk about it in, in, in meetings or anything. And I'd gone to meetings with him for years. Had no idea he did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asked me, he says, buddy, he said, when I go to that great meeting in the sky, he said, I have no one to turn this over to. Will you take this up for me and handle this service? And I was honored. And we, and I, he's still alive and he's still helping with it. But I've, I've helped him to get it more automated to this point. And, uh, we're up to over 12,000 people now that, that get this every day. Uh, and um, that never would have happened if I would not have gone and visited him in the hospital not knowing any of this. Uh, and I think it's great how, you know, God works in those things. You know, that's the kind of service you want to do, you know, where you can say, oh, I'm, you know, you could really beat your chest about that if you wanted to, you know. Uh-huh. Oh, 12,000 people a day get their daily devotions from what we send, you know, that right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it started with me just going and visiting a guy in the hospital I didn't even like. <laughs> right. Right. You know, right. and I think that's how God works. I really do. Um, and uh, it's all a gift. And that, that tells, you know, it's not about me being anything more than willing, really, you know. And the great thing I found in AA, and I realized this after a few years, uh, Charlie, was, you know, we talk a lot about a higher power and a God in our life, and we, uh, I believe it's essential that you have some sort of higher power, and that, that's the usual thought in AA. Right. But when do we ever talk about what that's supposed to be or say it's got to be this or got to be that? We never, never do that. 
Never. Never. You never even have a meeting about what your higher power is. Never. Never. You know, because because that's none of our business. That's a personal thing that you figure out for yourself. That's right. So it's kind of odd to me, you know, that you would have uh, something so important, but yet we don't give guidelines on what that's supposed to be. It's funny, too, because it, it really uh, stems out of uh, uh, Bill W. Uh, from uh, uh, early in those days when Abby Thatcher from the Oxford groups comes and uh, says, I've got religion and he's sober, you know, mm-hmm. and Bill is aghast because mm-hmm. he's got religion, right? And Bill can't deal with that. He cannot deal with that. He's amazed that this guy is sober thought he would have been dead a long time ago the way that his alcoholism was running Ebby's life and he's absolutely stunned that he's sober but this religion deal I, I can't I can't I can't get my head around it and after debating over and over and over at the kitchen table uh, Ebby I think in a last ditch sort of well Bill why don't you create your own concept of a higher power, you know, uh, and, right. <laughs> and I, and I, and I think that of that in my mind's eye, like Emmy, you thinking to Bill, you knucklehead, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that complicated, just whatever it is. It just has to be bigger than you. You know, and I think people come in a lot of times to the program and they, they bring this preconceived idea of what it must be, what their God must be. And I think that's one of the first things that uh, that has to be smashed is that it doesn't have to be the God that you were raised with or the God that you hate. Right. You know, <laughs> you know uh, it doesn't have to be that God. You know, it just can't be you. Right. Right. It just can't, it just be, can't you, be you. you know? or it can't be somebody else. That's what I was always told is it can't be yeah. you and it can't be somebody else. And I had no concept of it at all, and I just ran, you know, nothing. I had zero concept, and actually that worked the best for me to have zero concept and let that concept build over time, and it has. And I still have a a rather small understanding of the God that works in my life, but I know that it works, and I know that if I, uh, if I engage uh, the God of my understanding every day, throughout the day, Sometimes I'm better about that than others. No doubt about it. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I engage my higher power and then I, in my, God of my understanding, and then I forget about it. And then life gets lifey, buddy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it, it, it promotes me to remember to, uh, uh, to engage and, and reconnect with the God of my understanding. You, you know, used to, I thought I had God figured out. You could ask me any question about anything, and I had a box that I could put that question in. Mm-hmm. You know, and over time, and when I've gotten more into uh, recovery, I just threw all that out. You know, there's so many things I don't understand, and I don't try to place them in a box. I just, that's so far above my pay grade. I, I really feel like I'm the four-year-old that can't understand why I can't have a Snickers for dinner, you know. <laughs> that's me yeah you know and i don't think i don't know if that'll ever change that's why i just have to give say well okay i can't have it okay you know <laughs> yeah you know more than i do i'm yeah. I'm not going to try to figure it out i don't need to know why i mean i can't i don't have the ability i think to even comprehend or understand that right yeah so uh so i gave up on on fitting everything in a box there's some and every day there's more and more i don't understand 
you know, and that's just the way it, let me, let me read you something, Charlie. This is, uh, this is from, this is from the big book. This is step, uh, this is step 10, but this really is the essence of the program for me. Uh, it says that this is not an overnight matter. Uh, it continues for a lifetime talking about working the program, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these things crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately. We make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance for others is our code. So what I've learned, and I had a guy in the program teach me this. He said, listen, when you don't know what to do and you've got everything cleaned up, he says, go find somebody to help. They don't even have to be in the program. He says, just do something for somebody else. And he says, if you're stuck and you don't know what the next thing is to do, do something. Just ask God to send you somebody else to do something for and do the next thing that's in front of you to do, and you'll get unstuck. You know, and I thought, God, that is simple. That is so simple. And we want to complicate it and add all these other things to it, you know. But, but, that, but that's it. it that is. really is, in a nutshell, the entire program. That's recovery for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a, have a, a great um, uh, respect for uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, in uh, you know, uh, they do a great job, and Bill and uh, the folks that uh, wrote it do a great job of uh, distilling the principles of um, recovery in a way that uh, in a way that that makes sense and I don't always remember I don't always uh, I, I, sometimes I forget that uh, um, I need to be of service or whatever it is but the more I do this stuff and the more I uh, practice these principles and I like that word practice it doesn't say master perfect or any of those terms is practice these principles in all our affairs that's what i'm doing brother i'm just practicing these principles i'm not perfect at them but i'm getting better it's becoming more of a natural mindset and it's through action i always tried to think my way out of things i always tried to have a moral or a philosophical view or an understanding that would fix it that never fixed anything it never fixed shit really action does doing something different and that's fixing me that's and, and there's actually scientific proof now they've done studies on folks that are in uh, uh, programs of recovery like AANA those types of things and they've discovered that people in recovery by virtue of living in a different way actually develop new synapses in their brains and new ways of thinking. You're actually, by doing this, God, for me, the God of my understanding is help re- helping me to rewire my brain from my exactly. old ways to, my, to, to a new way. You, you know, we're, and we're told we've got to act our way into right thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think our way into right acting. And that's, uh, I've heard that for years, never understood it really, what they meant. I just shake my head like I did because I didn't want folks to think I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> Finally figured it out. You uh-huh. know, and I said, oh, that's what they're talking about. Right, right, you know, that's right. the same as the faith without works is dead. It's right. the same thing. Right. 
Bingo. You know, same thing. Same you know? thing. And, uh, you know, so it, it's all about uh, if we do the action, and, and the action's never about us. If it's an action that feeds our selfishness, it's probably not the right action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's about us being a service to other folks in, in every relationship in our life. Uh, I found in business, if I go and, and when I'm, when I'm dealing with someone in business, if my mindset is what can I do for you today? Not what you can do for me today. That is me being of service. And, and I got to where even when we finish conversations, I'll say, okay, now is there anything else you need from me today? And I leave it open-ended because used to I would never do that because I don't want to get off the phone as quick as I could because I got to move on to somebody else That's and right. get what I need from them, you That's know. Right. And uh, when I started that, it just changed everything. And uh, that that's how it's worked for me, Charlie. And uh, it continues to work, you know, and, and it, it gets better. It gets better, you know. What, and that's the message I get out of your story, buddy, and it's a really powerful message which is there's some simple things that took a long time for me to get to a place where I could, and maybe you could too, where I could get there. But there's a few simple things that I do that have given me a life beyond my dreams. It may not be the life that I wanted, but it's, it, it, it's, it's a, a life that is better than I could have imagined. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm the same way. You know, part of that powerlessness is is laying down your life. You know, part of that is looking for the peace and the joy in what you have. And I finally developed a mindset that, you know, what's going for me today is the best thing going. What's happening in my life is the best thing going. I believe that my higher power is in control of what's going on. I've submitted my will in my life, and I'm just going to enjoy today. And if I'm not enjoying it, I know it's going to be different tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And and I can't make something better than what's going on right now. And I can't remember when I've had a bad day or even a bad hour. I might have bad moments, but those moments pass, and they don't have to become bad days and bad years. And uh, that's uh, that's different, you know. That's different because uh, I I just don't take on the responsibility of making that happen now, and and it's always different tomorrow, you know. If if, if there are issues in my life I don't like, I I try to accept those and uh, and just move forward, you know. I had a bad decade, I think, buddy. <laughs> I don't want any more of those. No, you know? <laughs> no, no. I had my fill. I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. What would you say to the newcomer? who maybe hasn't been to a meeting or really isn't uh, they 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 know that uh, potentially they have a drug or alcohol problem um, and they're just not sure what to do I would say be open I would say if you have the capacity ask whatever you believe in to show you the next step um for me, that's that's what it took. Um, if you find someone who has what you want, go see what they're doing and do and do that. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, you know, whatever they're doing, go do it. Yeah. You know, whether it's some recovery thing or whether, you know, smart or refuge or AA or NA or CA or whatever it is, go do what they're doing. You know, and if you don't have anyone, ask whatever power you believe in to show you. And just leave it at that. Don't add nothing to it and just wait and look. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see it. I, I firmly believe that. And for God's at least that's how it worked sakes, for me. Sign up for Transitions Daily. You know that. You know if uh, if that would help them, they're welcome to do it. You know, <laughs> uh, you know it's um, uh, that's uh, dailyaaemails.com is the URL if they want to see more about it. But uh, you know, it's not a we make no money at this thing, and it's uh, it's just purely service. You know, and I think we're up to like twelve five now, twelve thousand five hundred that are getting this. We add anywhere from five to 15 a day and uh it's amazing to me that there's that many people out there that and it just keeps going and uh it's a closed google group that you can't see the other people who are members you can't communicate with them and we use the the group to do a a daily distribution so you either get it through email or we've got a twitter that we distribute on and then we've got a facebook group that's a closed facebook group that you can get it that way too but all that's at that uh, daily emails.com and then i appreciate you um announcing uh that too as part of your uh part of your podcast too charlie that's good thank you but uh we just want people to to have access to it because it's just service you know that's all it is that's what i love about it is that it's just service it's just the ability to be able to in one way or another it, it is one person in recovery one alcoholic one addict doing what they can to help the uh, help a fellow alcoholic and a fellow addict um, who may still be uh, struggling uh, uh, or suffering, uh, and that's—it's just beautiful. It's—it's—it's it's it's, the recovery community in my mind is a microcosm of what uh, what life can be at its best in terms of uh, looking to give the best of ourselves and look for the best in other people and look for every opportunity to be of service. You know, it's funny, one of my sponsees, I used to just read the Daily Reflections in the transitions because it's a lot of different devotions. And I had a sponsee said, you know, he says, I'm reading the whole thing. He says, and I get a lot of, I thought, fuck, now i got to start reading the whole thing. He's been, he's doing it. He's not going to outdo me. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I read the whole thing, too, and it's a great way to start my morning. I love it. I read it every morning without fail. I'll throw some of it on Twitter. Um, on my uh, on my podcast uh, Twitter account, and uh, there's always a nugget or two in there that's absolutely shareable, and I love it for that reason. And a lot of it resonates throughout the day, which is amazing because I think a lot of it when I read it, it kind of clanks around in my brain, and it doesn't right. necessarily resonate right away. Uh, because uh, uh, like a, 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 a good friend of mine in the program says, I have a Teflon brain; stuff doesn't stick real good mm-hmm. uh, right to right frame. and so but uh throughout the day these things will kind of pop up so i love it I'm, I'm a huge fan of it buddy i appreciate your time and uh it's it was it was great this was a long time coming and uh we'll yeah. be in touch and we'll uh you, you know how that is uh, we uh we, we connect through other groups and uh, other podcast groups and other things so uh your story and your experience and your strength and hope uh is uh inspiring to say the least and uh 
thank you. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's all a gift, Charlie. It's all a gift, you know. And that's uh, I'm just happy that uh, that I've been able to get some crap out of the way to be able to at least get a little bit of it. You know, it's great life. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out, where we share stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. Or drop your host a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. There you can also find links to previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podcast Garden. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, contact me at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety day will.